It is 12 o'clock. This is YouTube Live, and today we are talking about uh, raising private capital, raising private money in the coronavirus. It is uh, during the coronavirus pandemic, and it is April 15th of 2020, and our world has definitely changed. The world of lending has definitely changed. Um, I see that Sue is with us, and we just finished a mastermind call. Um, on uh, some of these topics, the real estate uh, environment that's going on. So, so we will go ahead and jump right into it. This will be recorded so you can watch it later uh, as well. It'll be on my YouTube channel and I am recording a podcast as well right now while we're doing this. So uh, we're going to talk about raising private money in this environment. So what does that look like right now? So number one, uh, as always, I'm going to recommend that you definitely check with um, uh, you know, the laws in your state. So every state's different when it comes to private lending and when it comes to securities laws. So you wanna make sure that you check with the state. You also wanna make sure that you understand federal regulations. There's a difference between um, borrowing money and offering a mortgage, a note and deed of trust for one single property from one single borrower, a loan from one person to a business or one person to one person. Um, that's a, very different than pooling investors and then doing something with that, whether it's on one property or multiple properties. So what you want to understand is the difference between the two and that each state has their own securities rules and laws, their own lending laws that you need to check with. And uh, so you want to talk to your attorney about that, a real estate attorney as well as an SEC attorney. And if you want to pool investors to buy bigger properties or to do a fund or something like that, then that's going to require um, filing exemption uh, with the SEC and adhering to SEC regulations. So I'm not going to get into all the details and all the legalities. That's for you to talk to your SEC attorney about, talk to your real estate attorney about, to understand the rules and the laws at the state and federal level uh, and requirements for um, uh, borrowing money, creating funds, and doing those types of things. What we're going to talk about is how do you even go about the process? What is it that you need to do? What does your business need to look like? And things like that. So once you've talked to your attorneys and you've got all that advice, uh, and you're, you're doing things the right way, the legal way. Um, now, what does it take to be lendable? What does it take to be somebody who's credible that people are going to want to lend money to? So number one, you need to be an expert. So whatever it is you're doing, if you're flipping houses, if you're buying apartment buildings, doing commercial, doing real estate development, businesses, um, you know, whatever it is that you're borrowing private money for, uh, you want to make sure that um, that you know your space, you know your market, you know your business, you know the metrics, you know all of the things that somebody is going to want to ask you once they get to know you about the business so that you can prove to them that you're an expert, that you are somebody that's credible that they can lend to. Um, so you want to educate yourself, you want to know the market, know the strategy, know the space that you're investing in. And, uh, and if you've never done this before uh, and you're new in whatever it is, then you know, maybe you want to look at finding a partner who's experienced. And if you're, if you're good and your talents are you know, that you're social and you're good at talking to people and meeting people and networking, you, know, you can focus on the capital raise side of things and you bring a partner on that is an operator that can focus on the operating side. Um, so uh, you want to make sure that you're educated, that you're, you're packaged up, you're professional and you know what you're doing. Uh, then you want to create your brand, right? So you want to make sure that all of your social media across all the platforms, you have to be out there because people need to know, like, and trust you, right? So when you talk about no, number one, they need to know who you are. They need to know of you. They need to know about you. And one of the ways that people get to know you, one of the easiest ways for people to get to know you is to have a brand that's out there across all of the platforms, YouTube like this. And feel free to post your questions in the, in the live chat there. I can answer those as we go along. Um, we've got several people watching now, but 
You want your brand consistent across all the platforms. You want to be professional and dialed in. You want to make sure that your website is very professional looking and that it conveys what it is that you do very easily. And you want to be focused, right? So you want to be focusing on one niche. So you don't want to be, uh, until you're out there and you're experienced and you've, you've got years under your belt, you know, you can invest in multiple asset classes, multiple types of properties, things like that. But initially starting out, you want to be focused on one thing, have one niche, one lane that you're very focused on and you want your website to clearly convey how that works and uh, have an area that educates investors in terms of how you do what you do and how they can participate um, you know because you need to make sure that um, you're qualifying your investors right so certain things require uh, accredited investors some require sophisticated investors and then other things like a one-off deal you know can be pretty much anybody but you still want to make sure you educate them on the process of how you do what you do because as a private lender when you're borrowing private money you know this is your program this is your deal you're providing the opportunity for somebody to participate with you and make money and earn a return on their capital so you're providing a service that's needed by a lot of people out there so um, you know, make sure that you understand that what you're doing is something that's needed. What you're doing is you're providing a service. You're providing opportunities for people to invest, kind of like a bank. Banks make money by lending money, right? So you want to have that package together, good website, you know, all your materials together that talk about what it is that you do. And you want to post, you know, what your business is. So if you're flipping houses, you want to post that in the progress. Talk about the deals you're doing, that, that kind of thing. If you're doing multifamily properties, you know, post and educate on those spaces. You know, if you're doing real estate development, whatever it is, educate people on what it is that you do. And then you want to educate people on the business of private lending, right? So how can somebody be a private lender? You can't solicit for investors, even though, even if it's one off and you're offering a note and deed of trust, you cannot go out and solicit investors. But you can certainly share what it is you can do. You can talk about what you do. You can talk about how people can become private lenders and what private lending is. So you can always educate. And especially right now during the coronavirus, you can't go out, you can't network, uh, you can't gather, but you can certainly share on social media and you can you know, go on to um, you know, real estate blogs, you can go on to real estate uh, you know, groups on Facebook, meetup groups online, uh, LinkedIn groups, and you can post across all those platforms, uh, do YouTube lives like I'm doing, you can make videos, all that kind of stuff, and just educate people, talk about what it is you do, talk about you know, how they can become private lenders. So, um, that's how you kind of get that out there and you want to develop your program so if you're um, if you're offering you know individual uh, opportunities and you're flipping houses you want to make sure that you have all of your paperwork together all of your disclosures your notes and deed of trusts you know because people number one they want the first thing they want to know is how are you going to protect my investment so they're more interested in preservation of capital before anything else so you come first then it's preservation of capital then it's the deal them itself and how much money they're going to make so you want to make sure that if you're offering a note and deed of trust and you're doing one-off deals you've got those uh, examples of that paperwork that you can send them so they can examine the note deed of trust the mortgage and uh, they can understand what that is and your disclaimers disclosures all that kind of stuff uh, if you're doing a syndication same thing you're going to have operating agreement subscription agreements ppms all that kind of stuff that you're going to have to give to the investors and all the disclaimers and disclosures there so you want to make sure that paperwork is done and dialed in so you can send it to people um, so we talk about the know like and trust thing so when it comes to knowing you people need to know you they need to know of you know who you are know what it is that you do and know that you are credible and that you know your stuff and know what you're doing so that's what it means you know to, to have people know you um, they, they you know you have to be known people have to know what you do what type of deals you're into that kind of thing and that you're good at what you do um, 
then they need to like you, right? So people need to get to know you and, and, and you know, like being around you and like your philosophy. Not everybody likes everybody. Not everybody can do deals with everybody. Um, not everybody is meant to do business together, right? Some people are going to like you, some aren't. You're not going to like some people. And you don't want every investor in your deal. And um, every investor doesn't want to do business with you. So uh, you want to get out there and put yourself out there in social media. That's one way for people to get to know you a little bit and find out whether you're somebody they want to do business with and vice versa. So people like to do business with those that they like, right? And then on the trust side, uh, again, preservation of capital, the number one thing investors are looking for is, especially right now in this environment with the stock market all over the place, and um, you know, with the uncertainty around the coronavirus situation, people wanna know how is my investment secured, right? Preservation of capital. How am I, how am I secure in this? So you wanna start these conversations when you're talking to investors. First and foremost, it's about you, okay? They're investing in you first and foremost. Then it's about how is my money secure? So what you wanna lead with and what you wanna get out of the way right away is how can they lose their money, right? Investing is risky, everybody knows that. So you wanna kind of disclose and just tell them you know, all the things that can go wrong, right? This is an investment, it's real estate. You know, things can happen um, and things can go wrong, whether it's a business, you know, whatever it is that you're raising capital for. You wanna make sure they understand all the risks around it. And, uh, you know, your people that are looking to invest, they understand it. They get it. They know it's a risk. So you just want to tell them. You never want to come to buy, come to somebody and say, man, this is a surefire guaranteed. This is the best deal of the century. Not going to fail. You know, you never want to lead with that kind of stuff. You never want to, you know, try to convince people that this is the deal of a century, that just nothing can go wrong, right? Because, you know, people know that, that there's risk to investing and that there is no guarantee. You can't promise guarantees, but... You know, people know that things can go wrong, will go wrong, and uh, nothing is guaranteed, right? So, you know, make sure that, um, you know, you're leading with, um, you know, those types of things when you have that, that conversation, those follow-ups, right? So preservation of capital. How am I going to, you know, how's your investment going to be secure? How are you not going to lose money? Um, and then you can start talking about the deal itself and the metrics of the deal and the returns and all that. Now, these are going to be over multiple contacts, you know, multiple uh, touches in the, in the, you know, conversation, the relationship, depending on what kind of, uh, you know, offering you're doing, if it's a syndicated deal, uh, you know, your investors, uh, depending on what type you do, um, whether it's a Reg B, uh, 506B or C, you know, with a 506C, you can do general solicitation, but you still need to have multiple touches, right, for your qualified investors, your, your, uh, um, you know, investors, you want to make sure that you have multiple touches, three substantive, you know, it's a substantive relationship with the three touch rule. So you can look that up on the SEC guidelines and understand what that's about. So, you know, how do you do that? So how do you share your business? Because you don't want to just meet somebody and say, hey, you know, here's my deal. You ready to go? So the way it starts out is you're sharing what you do and you want to have your one liner ready to go. So when you're talking to people, you want to have that that opening one liner so that when people ask you what it is that you do, you know, if you're a house flipper, you know, maybe it's you know, hey, uh, I flip houses just like you see uh, on HGTV. And, uh, you know, I have investors that, you know, work with me in these deals, earning better than average returns. Or you could say, I, I buy, renovate, and sell houses just like you see on HGTV. So you want to have some way of conveying what it is that you do that, pe that will trigger, you know, automatically for people in their minds, you know, that that's what you do. So if you're, you know, buying mobile home parks or you're buying um, multifamily buildings, you're doing real estate development, then you can, you know, you can put that a number of ways. You know, I buy multifamily properties in the Southeast, typically institutional quality, class A and B, 200, you know, units plus or minus. 
in, in really good primary secondary markets throughout the Southeast United States. And, um, you know, so you can just kind of start the conversation there and people are going to say, you know, hey, tell me more, you know, let me know more about that, right? So that's when you can set that follow-up meeting if it's that three-touch rule and you're dealing with, you know, qualified investors um, so that you can set up a follow-up meeting to kind of talk to them a little bit more, get to know them. Um, but generally, you want to have that one-liner, you know, that elevator pitch, you know, that, that clear, succinct sentence on what it is you, that you do very quickly so people know exactly what it is. You know, if you're a capital raiser, which you can do, right? So you can focus on just raising capital, pooling investors into a fund to then fund other people, right? A lot of private lenders and a lot of hard money lenders, that's what they are. They're a fund of funds. A lot of those lenders borrow money to lend. So they'll take equity in their house and lever it up and borrow money to lend. So if you're a fund of funds, you can straight up say, hey, I raise capital to invest in multifamily properties throughout the Southeast with qualified sponsors uh, and operators. You know, or you can say, hey, you know, I raise capital to fund uh, house flippers, people that buy, renovate and sell houses, just like you see on HGTV. Um, and these, uh, you know, these funds offer better than average returns. So that's the kind of way that you can open up, you know, dialogue with people. You can put that one liner out there and um, you know, open up the conversation with people and explain what it is that you do. And then again, you always wanna have all of your packaging dialed in so that you can send them to your website where they can sign up and get more information and you can continue to build that relationship. Uh, you wanna make sure that you're documenting your projects and what you do and putting it on your website so people can go there and see the kind of projects you're doing, see the kind of things you're doing. You know, you can have interviews with your investors um, and, uh, you know, have them kind of talk about what you do and the deals that they've done with you. You can share results. So you have to be real careful, you know, again, and make sure that you're compliant with state and federal laws. But you can certainly share things like, um, you know, your investors uh, earned better than average returns on this project. You can't talk specifics about the returns and things like that. Um, you know, uh, and you don't want to be soliciting, but you can definitely share the project. Say, yeah, I had private investors on this. They did very well, earned above average returns um, in this project, secured and insured, backed by the real estate. You know, if it's a syndication, you know, these are very safe institutional quality assets. Multifamily is doing really well right now in regards to the coronavirus and the real estate market. So uh, when it comes to raising private money, those are the types of things that you do. Now, another way to do it, again, we talked about social media, is developing thought leadership, right? You wanna have a thought leadership platform to attract capital, to attract investors to you, and share what it is you do, share your expertise. And that can be through a podcast, it can be through a blog, it can be through YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all those channels, and using all those channels differently and organically in the way that they want to receive the content, right? Each of those platforms is very different as well as your website. So you can share your experience, you can share your expertise, you can share your, your opportunities without soliciting through those mediums and talking about what it is you do, talking about how to be a private lender, talking about the real estate market, especially right now, which leads us into the next you know section of the discussion today. You know, um, so that's raising private capital in a nutshell. You want to be dialed in, packaged, professional, have your program together, your documents, so that you can send that to somebody when they're interested, and you tell them what you offer, right? Here's what we pay. You know, if it's if it's residential flipping, we pay 8%, you know, just like a bank. Now, of course, this isn't solicitation. These are private meetings now when the investor says, hey, what's, you know, what is it that you're offering? So, you know, you lend us the money to buy the house, renovate it, we'll give you an 8% return. Uh, compounded annually when the property sells. If it's a multifamily deal, you're going to have your, um, 
you know, your PPM and you're going to have your operating agreement. It's going to, you know, disclose all of your returns and how it works, the fees that you make, the returns that you're offering, whether it's a preferred return and then a percentage of the profits after that with a split, waterfalls, whatever it is you're offering. It's all explained in there so that they've got that in advance and they know exactly what to expect and what they're going to receive. So, you know, have all that together dialed in so it's ready to turn over to somebody as soon as they start asking questions. Um, and that you know, you know, succinctly, this is your program, this is what you're offering, and you know, I'm offering you an opportunity to participate in this, you know, because that's what they need you, right? So that's what you need to understand is investors need you. They're looking for opportunities with qualified operators, qualified sponsors to invest in. I get calls and emails every day from people looking for opportunities to invest in. So there's capital out there looking for deals, even right now, but they're smart. It's smart capital, right? They're looking for the right operators and the right deals that understand and know how to hedge uh, the markets and what's going on right now. So, you know, where are we headed? What are we seeing? So a lot of people are calling for a housing crash and things like that. So right now, nobody knows, right? Nobody knows what the future holds or where we're at. What we do know is the banks are tightening up. They've raised um, credit score requirements for mortgages. Uh, they're lending less on the LTV. So your down payment requirements are going up. Um, we know that uh, a lot of the hard money and private money has changed. You know, they're not lending on some things. They're changing their requirements, lowering the LTV requirements. So before you get into a deal, before you write a contract, make sure you understand where the financing stands right now. Make sure that you have your contract that you can get out of it at any time, depending on that financing and get your deposit back because lenders are changing the rules midstream. So if they have not committed to that loan, and given, given you a clear to close, they can change that, their loan terms at any point during that agreement. So just because they give you a term, sheet, a term sheet and an offer doesn't mean that that's the way it's gonna stay until you close. And you know, anytime between the time you get a term sheet and a clear to close and start moving to closing, anything can change in that loan. So make sure you can get out of the deal, you can cancel that deal, get your earnest money back at any time during the process. So watch out for that. So keep up with the lending requirements, talk to your lenders, find out what they're doing, what they're seeing, because it's changing weekly. You know, the government's in there, they're buying these mortgage-backed securities, they're buying mortgage bonds, which is providing liquidity to the banks to keep lending. But the banks are, you know, obviously, they have their regulations, they have their investors, they have their boards. So, you know, they're going to be careful, they're gonna hedge their bets. And right now they're lowering, lowering their LTVs and, and increasing their, uh, down payment requirements because they're anticipating, you know, a potential slowdown or a potential, you know, um, uh, decrease in values of properties, you know, in the near term. So, you know, we just don't know what the real effects of this are going to be. It all depends on how long this goes and how quickly we can get back to work and get the economy opening again. Just remember where we came from. Okay, so back in you know January, February, this whole thing came out. In March, we started to get into the shutdown mode, and it started with no more than a hundred, you know, gatherings, and you know, no more. Then it went to no more than fifty. Then it went to no more than ten. So we kind of scaled down in terms of how we shut things down. So it's going to kind of probably scale back up in terms of how we open back up over the next couple of months, and a lot of it's going to depend on you know vaccines and you know all that kind of stuff. So where we're at right now is you can realistically expect, and this isn't just me, this is the top minds in the economy and in the markets and Wall Street and real estate out there right now. Um, you're looking at 12 to 18 months to get back to 
uh, probably 75 to 80 percent of where the economy was before this started. It's not going to snap back and you can't turn a light switch on and everything's just like it was right before we started. It just isn't going to happen. Um, we're still going to be dealing with this coronavirus for quite some time until everybody basically gets tested and vaccinated, right? Um, that's the only way that we're really going to get rid of it. So there is a potential that we start opening back up and then we have to shut back down again. So um, just be prepared, be ready, be cautious, be smart. And as you're doing deals, you got to stay in tune with markets, watch the interest rates, watch what the banks are doing, you know, listen to what's going on out there and just kind of be careful and be cautious. So right now there's still a lot of demand. There's still a lot of markets that are doing really well. There's a lot of buyers out there. Uh, inventory levels are low because a lot of market uh, properties were pulled off the market. Um, so we're still seeing a good, healthy housing market. You know, the home builder, um, uh, home builder sentiment, sentiment reports came out today. And of course, home builders are very pessimistic right now, lowest levels of all time, obviously, because there's a lot of uncertainty and uh, they're not sure what's going on and what the demand's gonna be. But overall, the housing market is still fairly strong. We're not seeing um, a whole lot of you know defaults or damage out there right now. We know that the Fed is not going to let the mortgage market collapse like it did back in 2009. Um, so you know we're not going to have an incident like that unless this thing just goes and people aren't working and you know then you can have some serious problems. But there will be unfortunately some businesses that can't open. There will be unfortunately some some people that won't be able to keep their homes and things like that. There are going to be some uh, uh, multifamily properties mobile home parks, storage facilities where income is going to be down a little bit because people can't pay. You know, hopefully this is all short term. But again, there's probably a 12 to 18 month lag before things get back to where it was. People's behavior is fundamentally going to be changed from this. People are going to have to build their reserves and their savings back up again once they do get open and get back to work. So there's going to be some contraction in the economy moving forward uh, more longer term than we're seeing right now. There's been a big disconnect between the stock market and the reality of where we're at. And what you're seeing today is the banks are coming out with their earnings and they've all lost money everywhere except their trading desks, right? So what has the stock market been doing? It's the banks levering up, hedge funds, investment funds levering up and overinflating the stock market. So that's all, you know, free money out there that the banks have been given to do the trading. And that's why they're all making money at their trading desk, but they're not making any money anywhere else. So, um, you know, just keep an eye on that. There's still a little bit of, uh, you know, paring down to be done in the stock market before we're back again. There's too much uncertainty in terms of, you know, our real GDP output, you know, unemployment numbers. We've got another, uh, uh, another unemployment number coming out tomorrow. I don't know where that's gonna be. I know there's a lot of people that have not even been able to get through to even apply. So the numbers we've been seeing have been well underrepresented. Could be another five, six million tomorrow, I don't know. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But we know earnings seasons are non-existent. Nobody's making any money right now except like Walmart, Amazon, those companies. So um, so the housing market is still good in a lot of areas, some areas that shut down completely. So just be smart about that. Watch your inventory levels, right? So how many houses on the market? How long have they been on the market? How many are under contract? How long have they been under contract? How many have sold? How long were they on the market? What did they sell for list price to ask price? That's your residential market. That's how you know what's going on. Track it, watch it daily, weekly, monthly. Um, and then on the commercial side, you know, same thing, rent comps, what are what are properties renting for? If it's multifamily, self-storage, you know, what does the comparables look like in the market? Uh, what are the vacancy rates? What's the demand in the market? You know, keep an eye on those things. Obviously, hospitality um, is, you know, really in trouble. Um, I would not go into that market right now unless you've got some very deep pockets and you have a long 
uh, you know, a long runway ahead of you to be able to, you know, restabilize those assets in that business. Very difficult business right now, uh, but there will be some opportunities in the hospitality, you know, industry, uh, restaurants, <clears throat> retail, you know, those types of things are, are obviously, there's gonna be a lot of shopping centers that aren't gonna make it through this, are gonna shut down and go dark. Um, office, not so sure what the office environment's gonna look like. That was already changing and in big trouble, just like real estate before this started. So the reality of everybody staying home now, working from home instead of going to an office, I mean, that's, that's short-lived, right? Most people realize, hey, this is great for a while, but it's very difficult. You have kids running around and all that. You can't permanently work from home, you know, everywhere for everybody, right? There's still that social aspect of business that we all need, that we all thrive in, and we're actually more productive together. That's why these open space and co-working spaces are so popular. So I think you'll get some of that back, but there will be some office buildings that, uh, that aren't going to make it, you know, that, uh, that there will be a repositioning going on in that industry as well as retail. Um, you know, self-storage, uh, we'll see how this does. It all depends on how far it goes. If people get in real trouble, you know, they'll start selling their possessions, but then people will be downsizing, <clears throat> you know, from houses as, as well and needing to store stuff. So, you know, it just depends. Again, it's a supply-demand thing there, you know, as far as... Um, you know, as far as that goes, industrial is a great space to be in, in the right areas, right? There's a lot of logistics uh, going on out there. A lot of companies like Amazon, Amazon needing third party logistics, uh, needing places to, uh, you know, store and, you know, um, transition items. So you want to be near inland fleets, near, um, you know, near the, uh, you know, the, uh, the shipyards and places like that, the, the train tracks and train stations and distribution areas where the cargo is coming in, uh, the terminals, things like that. So if you're in industrial spaces around those areas or you're somewhere that's transitional where, you know, tractor trailers are getting dropped off and then moving, you know, having logistical um, office warehouse industrial types or industrial type spaces around that uh, can be a good play as well. Third party logistics, um, warehousing for, you know, transportation and things like that. Uh, can be a good market uh, as well. So anyways, uh, right now, so the bottom line is it's really too early to tell. It's too early to know exactly where we're headed. So you just got to be smart. In general right now, we're still fairly okay uh, in terms of most markets. Valuations haven't changed a lot in the multifamily commercial space. A lot of those assets are just being pulled off the market. A lot of deals are falling through, but a lot of those sellers have had the properties for a while. You know, they're doing okay, so they don't have to sell right now. There were a lot of skinny deals that have been done the last few years, um, a lot of very overly aggressive deals that you know weren't real conservative in their underwriting. So there will be some of those deals, unfortunately, that, that will be coming around, unfortunate for some people, fortunate for others. So there are going to be a lot of opportunities um, uh, out there in the market. So you don't want to be predatory. You want to be a solutions provider, a merchant of necessity, and you want to be there you know, to take advantage of opportunities to help people and to help transition. So some of those things are going to be in the business sector. Some are going to be in real estate. And you'll be able to take advantage of that by offering a balance sheet. You might be able to come in and just take over some deals um, in the commercial multifamily space. In residential, it's all about creative financing, doing underfinancing subject to lease options. You want to study those strategies, be ready. Um, to offer those solutions and then have multiple exits on the back end for yourself as well. Commercial, multifamily, you know, those spaces, real estate development. Again, you might be able to walk in, assume some of the loans that are in place, take those assets over just because you have a balance sheet or you can bring, you know, capital and balance sheets to the table to, um, you know, get a, you know, take over some of those assets or come in as a partner. Somebody might just need a little liquidity to help them get through this or they might need a balance sheet to help shore up you know, their overall operation for the lender 
you know, to continue to, to continue to work with them for the long term. So, you know, if there's any questions, feel free to put them in the chat. I'm almost done here. So um, those are some of the things you want to look out for uh, and how opportunities are going to be presented in this environment. Um, so it's not always about having cash, but you want to have it available. So the one thing I will tell you, a lot of people say, you know, just go find the deal and the money will be there. Um, you know, you need to find the money first. You need to find the cash buyer first. You need to find what your exit is first before you go find a deal. Uh, because if you find the best deal in the world and you have no network and you don't know where to get the money or who the buyers are, it doesn't really do you any good. So if you're in the uh, residential world or wholesale world, find your buyers first, find your funding first, uh, then go after the deals, right? So make sure that you're packaged up, make sure that you've got that lined up <clears throat> and that you're confident that you can close those transactions and then, then get out and start finding the deals. So it's all about being out there, networking, talking to people and, um, you know, making sure people know who you are, know what it is you do, and are aware of how you can provide service and value to them, right? So seek first to serve others. Seek first to understand where others are and what they need, what their needs are, and then be a merchant of necessity. Provide and fill those needs, right? So um, where, it, where there is demand is where the opportunities are. Where there are problems is where opportunities are created. So at the end of the day, that's what you want to be. You want to be somebody who creates opportunity by solving problems, by being a solution, and by serving others. So I'm going to leave you with that today. Look for how you can serve others first, put yourself in their shoes, understand where they're coming from, and then provide solutions um, uh, of service and of value to others first. I uh, hope you all have a great day. Stay safe out there, and we will see you on the next one.